listening to First Church Charlotte. Chapter number fourteen. Let's let's turn there. Why don't we Why don't we stand together as is our habit? Uh, Mark fourteen, and we will read at verse number twenty seven. We are continuing in the book of Mark. Then Jesus said to them, "All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered." But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. I want you to notice uh, verse number 28. This is words of comfort. He has told the uh, disciples a a, a rather sad truth about themselves. They're all going to betray him. They're all going to turn away. Uh, And in the middle of this truth about their failings, he gives them words of comfort. You never, it's almost as though they don't hear these words. Uh, no one refers to them. It's, 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 they're there. But I, I, when I was reading this, uh, this morning I thought how often it is the case that, that when we're in trouble, we're so fixated on our trouble that we miss everything else God is doing in our life. So let me say it like this. You guys have a few things in your life you're struggling with. Don't forget about the huge areas of your life where God is blessing you. Is that fair? Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, so you have troubles over here in A and B. But all the way C through Z, God is being faithful. He is keeping you. You have your health. You're able to pay your light bill. All these other areas, God has surrounded you with brothers and sisters to support you. Don't let the trouble over here destroy everything else of what God is doing in your life. Can I have a big amen? Amen. So let's continue. After Peter said unto him, even if all are made to stumble. Don't you, isn't it fun to talk tough? I love to talk tough. We also call it trash talking, but that's about how much it's worth is, 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 is trash. Uh, even if everybody else stumbles yet, I will not be. I will not be offended. I will not deny you. And Jesus says to him, assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter spoke vehemently. He is, he is convinced. If I have to die with you, I will not betray you. And then everybody jumped on the bandwagon in direct contradiction to what Jesus had just said. Sometimes I feel like when I'm arguing with God, he just ignores me and goes on to Gethsemane. (laughs) Somebody say in Jesus' name. You may be seated. We are at this moment of scripture on the Peter's denial of the Lord, and so we are going to uh, address it in the scripture together. Uh, This is a very, very famous uh, moment in the scripture. Um, I I looked today at just just a lot of times after I kind of have the the meat of what I'm going to talk about in the scripture, I will kind of cast my interests very widely, and I will just impromptu start uh, doing random uh, searches. uh, things around the subject of what I'm talking about. And it always astonishes me how much there is out there. There is so many works of art that 
convey this moment of scripture of Peter's denial of the Lord Jesus Christ. I had no idea. But when you, when you search this and you see, I'm talking scores of artists have, have in their own way sketched and, and painted and, and drew pictures of this moment of Peter being challenged and Peter denying the Lord. Uh, I did not find a single picture of Peter's uh, statement of surety. I, I, no one drew a picture of him saying, I will never deny you. They all drew the picture of the moment of uh, decision, that valley of decision where he is in the courtyard there denying the Lord. So very quickly, so we all will have a little bit of an image in our mind of how this unfolds. Um, I am going to jump ahead in the story to where he is now being, he is fulfilling the prophecy of what the Lord said he would do. The Lord said, you all will forsake me. You all will be offended uh, because of me. You all will uh, uh, walk away. Peter, uh, being the brash personality in the butch. Um, there's nothing wrong with being brash. Uh, just make sure God finds a way to use your brashness. Uh, Peter speaks loudly and he's, he's brash and I would not, I would not do that. And, and Peter's making a very human mistake of he, he thinks that he is strong through his determination. I'm going to come back to this in a moment, but let me just touch it as an initial pass. He thinks strength comes from his determination, his grit, his will, his absolute made up mind. That is what is going to make him strong. But like Peter, we all of us learn, we are not made strong by the strength of our will. This goes into the feelings fallacy of serving God, where we're strong if we feel strong, and we're victorious if we feel victorious, and we're powerful if we feel powerful. Um, that's very human, and I myself uh, am repeatedly susceptible to falling into this trap of if I feel victorious, then I am victorious. No, actually, it remains to be seen if I'm victorious. It is simply in a moment where my feeling makes me believe a certain truth. And if I've learned one thing in the handful of years I've been living, I'm only about 20 years old. You guys should know that. Uh, in the handful of years I've been living, uh, I've learned this. I cannot trust my feelings. And so Peter looks inward and he examines his heart and he cannot imagine. It feels so true. I would never deny the Lord. And he looked and he, he examines the grit of his soul. And he says, I would never. And because it feels true, it has to be true. Yeah, nobody's excited about this tonight. This is a little too close to where we live, right? This is a little bit too close to the real world where if we feel powerful, then we're powerful. And if we feel victorious, then we're victorious. And, 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 and this is what Peter's doing. He's, he's reviewing himself. He's looking into his heart. And he's like, I would never do that. Well, the other disciples, you know, if Peter is going to lead, they're going to follow. That's the nature of leadership. And so uh, Peter leads and they follow and, and they're like, us too, Lord. We, what are you talking about? This Whatever. I would never. I've looked into my heart and it feels ever so true. I could never do that. It feels true. Therefore, it must be true. And Jesus does not argue with them. He's like, okay, well, we'll see. 
And he turns and he walks toward Gethsemane. You see, here's the difference. Uh, Jesus is going to fight the battle of his strength in prayer. Uh, Peter is going to fight the battle of his strength by a review of how it feels within him. And so the difference is this. Once they get to the Garden of Gethsemane, While Jesus is praying, Peter is falling asleep. Why? Peter was not examining himself in prayer. He was going by feeling. Now, hear me. There's nothing wrong with feeling. I am not against feeling. The Bible says true worshipers must have two attributes. They must have truth and they must have spirit. Now, that's not Holy Spirit referred to, although we do need God in all things. Can I have a big amen? It's small s, spirit. That is your spirit. It's not capital S, Holy Spirit. Uh, It's your s. So there is, in our walk with God, there is both feeling, yes, that is spirit, and there is truth. There is right knowledge, right knowledge. And if we're careful, we can get into an arena where all we care about is how we we, we feel, uh, small s, our feeling in a worship service or in the presence of God, and that's that's too far in one direction where that's all we care about. And on the other way, there is this side where all we care about is right truth, doctrine, uh, good knowledge, uh, wisdom, and we don't care about how we feel. The truth is there is a a balance of those two. All of us by nature have uh, more inclination toward one toward the other. Uh, It's a natural thing. Um, Usually the Lord puts us with other people who provide balance to us. Um, You will find that if you are in a a marriage that one of you will be more truth and the other person will be more spirit uh, or vice versa. Um, like in my marriage, um, I am definitely truth, and my wife is spirit. And if I doubt that, just tell her otherwise. <laughs> she is she is much more inclined to spirit. Well, the truth is, I need to be balanced because I am over here on truth, and she needs to be balanced because she's over here on spirit. And so, uh, this is the, the human story. We need both, but the reality is, Peter doesn't need to pray because he feels strong. That's why he can go to sleep. The same night Jesus has told him, you're going to betray me. Now, full stop, period, halt the train. I want you to think about the consequences of what I just said. Let's say that Jesus walked into the church house and he got in front of you and he said, listen, bud, I have something to tell you. You are going to betray me. And right after that, we're going to have a prayer meeting. Let me tell you I would expect you to tear the drywall off of this church praying, oh God, make me stronger. Why? Jesus just told you you're going to betray him. But Peter can fall right to sleep. The same night he's been told he's going to be betrayed. Why? Because he looks inside and he disagrees. That feels false. That's the problem. He is looking to his own strength, his own grit, his own will. I would never do that. I'm not even worried. I'm just going to, I think I might just kind of doze here a little bit. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) You know you guys do this. Don't act like you don't do this. You know you do this. (laughs) Hallelujah, Lord bless him. Mm. 
Okay, that's life. That's real. Sometimes you're tired and you're putting in your prayer time. I commend you for not being soft on yourself. We need to be tough on ourselves, right? God bless you. That's a good thing. But here's the deal. When Jesus tells you you're going to betray him, don't you go have a sleep-in prayer meeting. You You best stir yourself a little bit. You see, because the difference is Peter is satisfied with his feelings. It doesn't feel like I could betray the Lord. Therefore, I couldn't betray the Lord. He does not fight the battle in prayer. He fights the battle by surveying his own feelings. And here's the problem. None of us know our own hearts. We don't know. We know parts of our hearts, but we cannot see. We are best when we deceive ourselves. Our hearts are not necessarily known to us, and thus the power of prayer in our life. Prayer isn't about changing an unwilling deity. Prayer is about changing a a rebellious heart that must be made more Christ-like. Prayer is not about moving God. Prayer is about moving us. And if you had found out from God himself that you were going to betray him and then you're invited to go to a prayer meeting, honey, I would strongly encourage you to get a cup of coffee and take some time praying. Because if God says it, it doesn't matter how you feel. Truth always outweighs feelings. And God said, you are going to betray, not only you, Peter, all of you are going to betray me. And Peter looks at his heart and it doesn't feel true. So that's all he needs. Jesus must be wrong. Do you see the battle? And so it is in our life. We run into truth. We run into calling. We run into spiritual direction. But then we run into trouble because there is no easy way in serving the Lord. There is no path where you have all things perfect unto you. There's no path where you get to just have nothing but, you know, Doritos and Cokes and Lazy Boys. There's no path like that. If you're going to be used of God, you're going to struggle. You're going to fight. There's no padded cross. You see what I'm saying? Okay. And when you go forward and meet trouble, you're going to have to deal with your feelings. Now what? You're going to have to ask yourself, was I ever really called? And if you were called, then you need to put your feelings beneath your calling. Oh, my Lord. Hmm, That's some fine preaching, Brother Nathan. I just wish that I could preach like that. You're just doing such a fine job up there. When you run into trouble, you're going to have to ask yourself if you ever were anointed. And if you were anointed, let me let me just, okay, okay. So I, I, t- I talked to the First Steps class about this. Um, there were uh, here at this church, it was started in 1954, I believe it was. Um, there were seven pastors who pastored here before my mom and dad. Forgive me for using my mom and dad as an example. And they're sitting over here awkward. I don't even care. They can be mad at me in the same doors they got happy with me in. So here's the truth. What's the difference in them and the seven pastors before them? They stayed. That's the difference. Did they feel discouraged too? Yes. Did they feel like quitting too? Yes. Did they feel like giving up and moving back to Tennessee? Yes. Everything anybody felt, they felt. What's the difference? They didn't leave. That's the difference. Okay, so on any, if, you, if you're going to live by feelings and you're going to place your feelings above calling, you're always going to be in a situation where you're arguing with God about what the perfect will of God is for you. But if you were ever called, feelings come after that. And if you were ever anointed, feelings come after that. And you ever endorsed, feeling comes after that. You're always going to have to decide, where do I fight my battles? Do I fight and win in the battlefield of my own feeling? Or do I take it to prayer? 
So, so, so Peter is in this odd situation where he's strong in the trash talk department and weak in the late night prayer meeting department. And you know what? I'm just like Peter. I am no better. I am, I'm, I'm several rungs down from Peter. However bad you think Peter is, Brother Nathan's worse. And all of us have to learn the lesson of Peter. It doesn't matter the feeling, the failure, the sense of incompleteness, the sense of all of that is secondary to what God said I could do. Amen. And all that's secondary to what God called me to do what God anointed me to do, and so it is for you. All of the feeling is secondary. Some days you'll feel better than you are. (laughs) Some days you'll feel worse than you are. You put it all in the same place, and you say, what did you say I'm going to do, God? What did you call me to do? And so Peter, uh, he's in this odd situation where he, he, he lives out this. Unfortunately for him and fortunately for us, he lives this out. And so uh, I want to give you this picture really quick. Imagine, imagine in the, uh, near the temple complex in the city of Jerusalem, a very, a very ornate and uh, wealthy-looking part of the street where there's a wall that is built and it's guarded, part of the temple guard complex. And um, in this complex lives several families. And this is the family of the, uh, of the uh, high priest. Now, they are all generational. Uh, the oldest of them living is Annas. And he is, I know you've probably heard of Ananias. Um, either's fine. Um, Annas is the oldest. Um, but he was removed by Herod. And uh, the first of his sons was made the high priest. And, and this has happened. And now Caiaphas is the high priest. And this is the fourth of Annas' sons. Okay, they have been, they've been high priests. And so um, what you have is you kind of have a patriarch in a family compound. This is where they all live together. So imagine there's this wall guarded inside. If you were to go through the gates, there's temple guards on the outside. If you were to go through the gates, you would be in a courtyard surrounded by apartments. Okay, this is, this is the reality of, of the circumstance. And in one uh, the apartment would live, uh, live Annas, and another one would live Caiaphas and their respective families. They're very wealthy, one of the wealthiest families in, 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 the, in the nation, uh, very honored. Uh, they're supported both by uh, taxes on the people, the, the, the taxes of the temple. They're also supported by uh, a her- the, the, the whole uh, Herodotian uh, government. And so they're very much part of the civil life. And so uh, there's this... This, this gate and there's temple guards out front and uh, they have come and they have taken Jesus uh, from the Garden of Gethsemane. We'll talk about that in another, another lesson. And uh, they, they take him where? They take him to this complex, this, this gate, there's this wall and there's this uh, gate to go through and the temple guards open and they lead him into this. And first they take Jesus to Annas. The first, the first meeting is with uh, the eldest, not the current high priest, the, 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 the father of the high priest. And Jesus is first reviewed by him. Okay. Uh, the second thing that happens is the, he's then taken to Caiaphas. Uh, and then they're inside the same complex. And then the third thing that happens is he's taken out of that to be taken before um, uh, Herod. Okay. So that's the movements that are happening. Peter comes back. Uh, follows afar, the Bible says, and he watches as Jesus is led to be tried in this 
this, this Sanhedrin gathering that is right part of the temple complex, right, right off of it. And um, he follows afar, and he, he's at the gate. And the first thing, if, if, I don't have time tonight, but if you piece together this story, uh, there's three denials. And the first one happens when Peter is not yet in the courtyard. He's, he's at the gate to the courtyard, and um, he, he denies it. A girl, aren't you with Jesus? And he denies it. Well, then, uh, again, uh, John evidently knows somebody because John comes. And again, you can piece this together in the gospel readings. John comes, and with John, Peter is allowed access inside the complex. So there's this guarded uh, gate, this wall, this guarded gate. First, Peter tries to get in. He's denied. The second time, and he denies. Um, The second time, when John comes, he is taken into the temple complex, and they sit warming themselves around a fire. Pro- uh, 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 another girl, probably another girl, probably a shift change of some type, something like that. Another girl says the same thing. Aren't you with, with Jesus? Um, uh, and and um, isn't it interesting that nobody notices John? Now, John's not near as boisterous a personality. Uh, John knows somebody on the inside because that's how they got in to the courtyard. Otherwise, they'd have been kept outside the gate. But John, when John comes, they, they go in. And, and this would be great, you Bible guys who like to study the Bible, um, that you can read all of this and, and see it laid out in its right order with a little, little bit of Bible study. Uh, John knows somebody, but John evidently doesn't have near the, the, the out front personality. He's not, he's not noticed. He doesn't deny, at least publicly that we know of. And, and Peter denies twice. And uh, finally, on the third time, to really break it home that he isn't who they think he is. The Bible says that he, he swears. He swears. And uh, he, 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 uh, whether, whether it's like a, a, an oath uh, or whether it's actually a, a, a cursing, uh, either way, the point is the same. They say, oh, well, one of Jesus' followers would not talk like that. And that settles the issue. And this is the moment after Jesus has, has had the first trial in front of Annas and then the second trial in front of Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin. And they're taking him to Herod that he walks out and the rooster crows and for the second time and his eyes meet Peter and Peter is broken in the realization of what he has done. And I, I think it's so interesting because the first denial, and again, I, I've read a bunch of commentary and scholarly works on this, and um, it, it seems like the first denial uh, probably was impulsive, but the second and third denial was intentional. Uh, he, he is now he, he, he is, he, you know, the first time uh, could have been impulsive. The, the second, third time he's making a choice. But even so, guilt doesn't strike him until he sees Jesus. And of course, Jesus has already begun to suffer some of the mistreatment and the abuse. It will get much worse. But uh, he has already begun to suffer this, and perhaps he already bears the marks of, of various uh, fists and, 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 and what they would call a reed, but actually was a very th- strong, uh, thin, uh, dried piece of what we would think of as wood that would striking him with. All of this is happening. And when Jesus sees the eyes, the, the astonishing thing, I guess, to Peter, besides his own guilt, is that in the middle of this, in the middle of this whole orchestration where it seems like Jesus is out of control, he's in control enough to time his exit when Peter is denying the third time and the second rooster call of the morning. Can you imagine organizing that play? That's a God thing. God seems to be powerless, and yet he can arrange when the roaster crows. 
that's the, that's the sign of divinity. He comes and plays by your rules and he loses. And then you realize he's won. That's divinity. Uh, that's why we should never be too frustrated when we fail to understand what God's doing. Honey, nobody understands what God's doing. His ways are above our ways. We see a part. We see what God has chosen to show us, and that's all fine and good. And after that, we say, great is the God. Great is our Lord. Great is the King. He is above all and through all and in you all, and I'm honored to be a part of his kingdom. While it seems Jesus is at his most powerless, he's controlling when the rooster says, good morning. And when he does, he's right there looking at this man who he has chosen, this, uh, this, this rough clay that he has chosen to mold into a powerful preacher, not just of a gospel that the Jews can receive, but it's going to be Peter who's going to be the first one to see the open door to the Gentiles. We, we forget about that oftentimes because of Paul's tremendous success um, in Antioch and among the Gentiles. But that starts with Peter being the one to say, I saw coming down from heaven a sheet filled with all manner of unclean things. And God spoke to me and said, do not call unclean what I have cleansed. That's going to be Peter. God has chose this flawed, imperfect man, this man of, 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 of talents and weaknesses. And this is part of the molding process. Whatever you go through in your life, God's going to use it to bring something glorious out of his kingdom. How many of you are in a tough time? Just give me a good, you're in a tough time, a little bit of a tough time. All right, God bless you. You're in a tough time. This is what I want you to know. It will not be wasted. God will turn the test into a testimony. And when he's done, it will be for his glory if you will give it to him. Peter, you're a failure. That's okay. God's excellent at working with broken vessels. Peter, you're a disappointment. That's okay. God's grace and mercy is astonishing. And he works best with people just like you. And so here comes Peter, rushing out, weeping, weeping bitterly, and realizing that his strength was nothing what it felt like. Somebody say it with me. His strength was nothing like it felt. My strength isn't either. Sometimes I feel weak, and that's when I'm strong. And it's not just me. Such gospel dignitaries as the Apostle Paul himself tried to establish this principle in all of our hearts. Your sense of strength is a really bad guide to your strength. In fact, you are strong when you don't feel strong because that's when you examine yourself in prayer. It's arrogance that lets you sleep through the prayer meeting. It's humility that says, oh no soul, it's time to call upon the name of the Lord. It's arrogance that lets us step out in our abilities. It's prayer that sends us shivering to an altar and say, God, I can't do it if you don't do it through me. If you've served God for a little while, and most of you have, um, you've learned how to do certain things. Like, I'll never forget the first message I preached in this church, first message I ever preached. I thought it was going to be wonderful. I've been listening to great preaching all summer. And in my mind, uh, while I worked, I listened to these great preachers preach. And in my mind, that's what I sounded like. And so I got up here to preach, and I preached from the book of Psalms while I was musing, the fire burned. And I just imagined that this place would blow up and smoke. And I imagine that people like Brother Ed would fall out and say, I've never heard it like that before in my life. And I preached it. He wasn't impressed at all. He just kind of like rolled his eyes, whatever. And nobody blew up. And no one said this was the word for our generation. And that's what I expected. (laughs) 
And I, I, I went to the office and I went in the bathroom. I closed the door. And as pitiful as it sounds, 21 years, 20, no, eight, uh, 19, the summer after my first year, um, I cried because I was a failure. And I knew in that moment I could never be as good as the guys I listened to. Well, the truth is I'm not as good as the guys I was listening to. That's a sad reality. But here's the thing. I, I don't cry anymore. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I used to get terribly nervous. I don't get nervous anymore. Um, uh, I'm not saying I couldn't get nervous. I I get nervous at like weddings. I I get nervous at funerals. I want to do so good for the people. And I'm I'm just afraid that if I don't do good, I'll ruin it for them. And I get terribly nervous at weddings. That's the total disclosure. I'm a nervous wreck. Uh, That's why I make so many jokes at weddings. I'm trying to cover up my shaking insides, you know. I don't want to ruin it for them. And I'll uh, secretly afraid that I'll get up here and I won't have any clothes on. Uh, <laughs> you know, that dream where I'm in bed and I have to get to the office to put my suit on, but everybody will see me in my drawers, you know, and that won't be a sight that'll save any souls, I'll tell you that right now. And so, you know, uh, but here's the thing. Here, here's the reality. I, I, I've kind of learned how to do it now. And if I'm not careful, I can say, I feel okay. I feel like I know what I'm doing. And that's when you are tempted by arrogance to sleep through your prayer time because it feels like you can handle it. And if you think you can handle it, God will let you try. The genius of being used of God is when you reverse that order and you say, I never can do it. And God, if you don't show up, we're all wasting our time. Because Peter feels strong His arrogance sets him up for a fall. If he had felt weak, he would have trembled when Jesus said it. And he would have said, oh Lord, can I repent in advance? I am weak. Can I say I'm sorry in advance? I wish I was strong, but you know my heart, Lord. Can I bow my knees and extend in advance, Lord? And I could, can I say I'm sorry before the whole world knows how weak I really am? But it takes humility to do that. It's not near as much fun as talking tough. And the thing about talking tough is you tend to sleep through the prayer meeting. And when Jesus could have used you, you're snoring. And when the church could have benefited, you're distracted. All because pride goeth before fall. I want to be the person who says, Lord, first of all, I don't want to argue with you about anything. I don't know if that's possible, Lord, but I don't want to argue about anything. If you say it, that settles it for me. That's good enough. But uh, I confess my need And I confess that I I don't really know how to teach a Bible study here tonight, Lord. I can just go through a routine and say my little things and make sure I'm done by 8.30 so everybody's happy. That's it. Or Lord, I can say, if you don't build the building, all my efforts are in vain. So every ministry of this church, I want to speak formally for everyone. I want to speak first of all for our pulpit ministry uh, here. And I want to say that if God does not anoint my efforts, it's all a waste of time. I want to talk, I want to speak for our music ministry. They work so hard. Uh, 
They're just as busy as you are, and yet they spend as much time uh, preparing for service as we do in service, and they work hard. And, um, but I want to say, it wouldn't matter if we had the best of everything. The music would make us feel stronger if we had the most talented everything in the world. The music would make us feel stronger, but we would not actually be any stronger. We just would feel stronger. If we had the most powerful preacher in the world, and he knew just how to touch your emotions and always keep you in a state of, oh my goodness-ish, conditioning. Uh, You would feel stronger, but you wouldn't be any stronger because it's not us who makes us strong. It's not the strength of our emotion that makes us strong. It's the presence of God in our life and the anointing of God in our efforts. Our Sunday school, our, our, our jam ministry to our preteen kids, our, our hyphen to single adults, uh, our student ministry to our student age kids, uh, whether it is the small groups that happen around uh, the city, and I'm thankful for all of them. You pick it, whether it is um, my little class, my small group I do on Sundays uh, for, for new, new people coming into our church, or whatever it is that we do, what, whatever it is, prosper you, you pick it. We don't know how to do it. We don't know what God will bless, but we're here, and we're asking for his anointing, and we're asking for his empowerment, and we're not going to tell him what he's supposed to do. We're going to say, Lord, show us what you are doing. We're not going to tell him what he should bless. We're going to say, show us what you are blessing. Because it doesn't matter if we feel strong, we will not be strong. God is the one who gives strength. The limits of our knowledge are profound, and we do not even know our own hearts. And when our pride rises up within us, we are predisposed to make mistakes. We are predisposed to make errors. Um, Pride is the original sin. It is the sin from which all rebellion spring. Pride began with Lucifer being impressed with himself. And from that began a whole history of rebellion. Pride is the beginning. And it's not just for those without. It is a risk for Peter on the day when Jesus is going to be betrayed. They all forsook him and fled. Uh, I want to, if at all possible, I want to flip the script from what is my human tendency, which is to talk tough and sleep through prayer meeting. I want to flip the script. And I want to say, God, I don't know how to do anything. And I'm asking for you to anoint everything I do. And I'm willing to put in the time. I'm willing to put in the time. I'm willing to put in the prayer. I'm willing to uh, play third fiddle in the prayer service, (laughs) in the prayer meeting, uh, as long as you will anoint what I'm doing and bless what I'm trying to see accomplished for your name. I know all of you feel that way. I know you all agree with that in your spirit. Let's all stand together. Would you take a moment right where you're standing and would you close your eyes and would you direct your, your attention heavenward? And would you pray, would you pray a prayer uh, that is in your heart right now in, in relation to what we've talked about in this story of Peter in the scripture? Lord, we pray for the strength that is only given from heaven. And we, we pray wisdom to see through our own feelings, God. We pray for spiritual understanding to see beyond our own uh, proclamations of the flesh, Lord. Not to be foolish, but to be wise. 
Lord, we need your anointing. I pray you would anoint the efforts of the people of this assembly, God. I pray you would anoint the ministries of this church. I pray you would anoint every individual trying to do whatever it is, even if it's a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. I pray your anointing upon it, oh God, because if you will bless it, it will prosper. If you will anoint it, it will bring much harvest in our life. But if it's just our efforts, Lord, then we will, of course, fail, and we will be weak, and we will be miserable. Lord Jesus, work in us and work through us. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. It's a, it's a couple minutes early. Why don't you step out of your chair? Come down to the front here with me. We're going to sing this song together, and we're going to stand together in the presence of the Lord, and we're going to believe that His strength would flow into our lives here today, that His Spirit would be the foundation upon which we are made strong. Not, not false deceptions about our own selves, not, not lying to ourselves about our own hearts, but His anointing, His power. In Jesus' name we pray. Anointing fall on me. Lift your voice. Sing it out loud to the Lord with us. Anointing fall on me. Anointing fall on me. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me. Anointing fall to somebody nearby if you're near your spouse you can turn to your spouse and say this to them say uh, I hope I haven't given you the impression that I'm strong go ahead and tell them say I hope I haven't given you the impression that I'm strong say I know I can talk tough but I don't want any mistaken impressions I, I'm not very strong Tell them, tell them, tell them. I'm not very strong. Now say this. Say this. If God doesn't give me strength, I'm the weakest thing you've ever seen. Amen. Let the power of Holy Ghost fall on me. Anointing fall on me. One more time. Lift your voice. Lift your hearts. Anointing. Yes. Anointing fall on me. Fall on me. Let the power of the Holy Fall on me. Let the power. 
anointing fall on me. Put your hands together and praise the Lord right now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. place in the Bible, I don't remember exactly where right now, um, there's a scripture that says something about if they, if they had known what they were going to go through, they might not have even tried. <laughs> but the truth is, they were stronger than they felt like, you see. They felt weak, and if they'd have known what was going to happen. Um, all you women who have had children, I want you to know you're tougher than all us men put together. That's all I have to say about that. And you guys are straight gangster <laughs> and if you did a natural childbirth yes. I mean I want a epidural in Jesus name that's what I'm talking about so on our first baby Durant uh, he was early a month early just a pitiful little thing, five pounds. He's a big old kid now, but just a little guy. Uh, they were trying to get my wife an epidural, and it wouldn't take. Um, and they put one epidural in, and it didn't work. And they put another one, and it didn't work. There was some kind of a blockage in her spinal uh, assembly uh, that... <laughs> Column assembly. You know it all, suckers. <laughs> Anyway, it wasn't getting to where it was needed to go. The interesting thing is that after she had had the baby, it cleared, and for 24 hours, she could not feel her legs. There was no feeling beneath, from her waist down. When it worked, it, it was, was kind of like one of those things, your friend who, uh, when you were moving and needed them, they wouldn't come over, and then once you're moved, they show up and want to eat. You know what I mean? <laughs> And my, my wife is, what's so funny is I'd always thought of my wife as, she's not here, so y'all can't tell her I said this. I'd always thought of her as a sissy because she hates to be cold and she, she hates any, just any little thing. You just, and when it comes to little stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty tough about that kind of stuff, but I ain't having no children. <laughs> That's not happening. So anyway. <laughs> And I, you know, I was expecting all these, you know, all these comic funny stories like stand-up comedians where your wife yells at you, I hate you, you did this to me. I didn't know what to expect, you know. I was just like, hit me again, I'm a big target, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, I had done that to her, and so that was the reality. And so um, that whole process, I was, I, I was, I, I've discovered how tough she was because real pain, she never stopped being sweet to me. 
she never stopped looking at me like I love you. You know those 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 those, those sweet. And I mean, she's like dying up in here, you know. And she's like, oh, you're so cute, you know. Like, Maybe I am cute. I mean, I she was sweet to me through that whole process. And I remember sitting there thinking, you know, I, I toughness is not simple. There's different kinds of toughness. And um, the truth is, I want all of you to know, you probably don't feel very tough. And if you're hurting, you certainly don't feel very tough. Very tough. But this is what I want you to know. Uh, you're tougher than you feel. Quit going by your feelings and start believing that you're anointed. Somebody say amen. amen. Believe you're called. Can I have a big amen? amen? Believe that God's on your side. Amen. And believe because of that, you're going to make it through. And your feelings will just be the weather. They won't be your truth. They'll just be the weather of your life. In Jesus' name. Put your hands together one more time and praise the Lord. All righty. I love you. You're dismissed. Sorry for making you stand up for 10 minutes down here. God bless you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. Thank you.